Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play podcast, where it's rivalry week again. Here we are again, back at it. Leo, you're going to break this down with us. We're cutting through the NFL, we're going to cut through the playoff scenarios, some of the COVID. Let's go ahead and fucking start it out. We're back the fuck at it. We're back the fuck at it. Ravens-Titans. Right, let's get right to the shits. Let's not even waste any time. No. Ravens-Titans, the trilogy. The trilogy. How are you feeling? Because my team has won this matchup twice in a calendar year, so I'm feeling a little bit better than what I'm guessing you're feeling. Well, what do you feel about this? You feeling good? 100% confident. You're 100% confident. The Ravens have done nothing to suggest that they're going to win this game. Why are you 100% confident? No team in this rivalry has won a home game in the playoffs. Okay, I guess that is reason to be somewhat confident, I guess. 4-0. Uh, we've beaten you twice in Tennessee. You've beaten us twice in Baltimore. So I'm looking for that trend to continue. Uh, and I, I really think it's <laughs> a lot of it has to do with the mentality of our teams going on the road. There's just something different. Um, I won't say that this Ravens team is ne- necessarily better than, than the team that played last year. Um, I actually do think that our defense is considerably better than where we were last year, um, but our offense has taken some steps back. So, uh, and and I think that these teams have gone in opposite directions. Like the Ravens' defense got better, the offense got worse. The Titans' defense got a lot worse, and their offense got a lot better. Yep, and so that we're really going to have an interesting matchup. Uh, the the Ravens, from what I'm seeing. We'll have Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell at full health. Um, that's really big for us. The first time we played you guys, we didn't have them. Um, and, and Calais Campbell was kind of the answer for not letting you run the ball up the middle on us. Uh, so I'm excited to get him back versus um, Derrick Henry. The first time we played, we had, a, we had a decent lead and we really squandered it away in the fourth quarter. Couldn't run the ball. Uh, couldn't do anything offensively. That was right in the middle of, of when our team was just completely in, in the doldrums. Um, we're going to see what happens. Uh, I am excited. I'm interested in this. The Titans are getting three points. That struck me as super weird, right? Like, just from the recent history and how the season went. Plus yeah, three. I'm not really quite understanding that. And I tweeted you when I first saw it yeah. because it didn't make sense to me. But how the Titans beat these Ravens in the divisional round last year in yep. a close game. We fast forward to this season. They get a rematch. The Titans win in overtime. Mm. The Titans secure a home game for the first time since 2008 in the playoffs. And the Ravens come in as the favorite. I just, I've been scratching my head over that for the last... I don't know. Whenever I heard the line, I guess Tuesday, I've been scratching my head over that. I don't get it. I don't get how they're a home dog. Yeah, I'll, and, and and I think it opened at two. It's up to three and a half, three some places. It's now bobbing around a decent bit. Uh, so here's the only thing I can I I think I can correlate between the two. Okay, so starting out, um, if you look at the last three weeks of the Titans and you look at the last three weeks of the Ravens, the Ravens have had very easy opponents and have walked through them. Um, just walked right through them, never in doubt games. Where the Titans have uh, walked right through Detroit. Now Detroit's been dead for a while. Um, the, really a big L to, to Green Bay, 40-14 to 14 in the snow. 
and then a close game with Houston. Uh, I don't, I don't quite. I, like I, I can't quite wrap my head around. I understand what they, what, what Vegas might be going in that direction. Hey, the Titans, you know, the Titans' defense is the big question mark, and and it, and entirely true. In their losses, they're giving up forty plus points, and in their wins, they're almost giving up forty points, uh, as the case of Houston. So I guess they look at this as the Ravens are getting healthy, and the Titans kind of are what they are. Uh, but I think that severely underestimates just the points of this rivalry that now feels a little bit like um, kind of when they played in the same division, it was old school, knockdown, drag out. The Ravens getting three points, um, you know, I, it's not like, ten, to me, here's the thing, Tennessee's either going to, if we look back, Tennessee's either going to win a close one. Here are your guys' last couple wins. You've had, if we go back to the Ravens, so you go back to the November 22nd, you beat the Ravens overtime by six. Uh, you beat the Colts by 20. Uh, lose to the Browns. Whip the Jaguars. Whip the Detroit Lions. Lose to Green Bay. Tight game with Houston. I think they just threw three points on the game and trying to let the public decide. I don't know, man, because I'm... Or they're trying to sucker everyone into taking Tennessee. Like, that's... That's, <laughs> that's the other part of this. With, I, I can see I could see the angle when it comes to a health standpoint. I know you you mentioned earlier Calais Campbell is going to be back. Uh, Brandon Williams is going to be back. Although I would temper my uh, my excitement, I guess, for Calais Campbell being back. If I were you, Calais Campbell spent the last couple years with the Jags, who gave up the, pretty much all of Derrick Henry's best games. Oh yeah. So I, I, I'm not exactly shaking in fear because Calais Campbell's back on the line. He's gotten his ass whooped by Derrick Henry before too. Yep. Um, but I, I just I don't understand. I don't understand the line simply because this Ravens team hasn't beat this Titans team, and this Titans team is a better team at home. I think the history shows that Lamar is a little better on the road than he is at home. Yeah. But this Titans team is definitely better in Tennessee than they are away. I think something to keep an eye on is really going to be Lamar. The Ravens, I think if they're going to win this game, it has to be a blowout. They're not going to beat the Titans in a close game because these teams operate the same way. And I think that the Titans do it better than the Ravens do. So I think that this needs to be a, this needs to be a, a, a 35 to 13 type game in favor of the Ravens. They need to blow the Titans out in the first quarter. That's the recipe to beating this Titans team. They don't lose too many games when it's a one-possession game in the fourth quarter because they're better equipped to to be more balanced on offense than most teams. I'm looking for. I'll, I'll tell you what I what I think we're gonna get. What I what I want <laughs> what I want to have happen. Um, the Ravens' offense does not score fast in a typical sense. They can get down the field on you. Um, the biggest thing, honestly, I think this game's going to come down to the same thing it did last year. I said, if the Ravens turn the ball over three-plus times, they're going to lose. Like this, I don't believe this game's overly complicated. Lamar last year goes in, turns the ball over four times. That just can't happen again. Like, when we look at Lamar's playoff games, four tur- five turnovers against the Chargers, four against the Titans, that's nine turnovers in two games. That's so many fucking turnovers. I don't think the game really comes down to anything else other than if Lamar holds onto the ball, the Ravens will win the game. If Lamar's careless with the ball, that's the end of the ball game. 
And and it's not that the Titan the Titans to me have one of the a really really good offense that can score points in groups, can push the ball down the field. Uh, what scares me is the Titans' defense is rags. So if you can't, if Lamar's turning the ball over, then this game is over. Like Tannehill doesn't turn the ball over, so Derrick Henry doesn't fumble too much. If if Lamar and I really do think the only takeaway from this game and the only thing to look at, if I look at the box score and see that Lamar fumbled once and threw two picks, I don't need to look at the score. The Ravens lost by fourteen plus. If I look at it and Lamar's got no turnovers, I do think the Ravens win in a blowout. But here's the key point for me: two playoff games for Lamar, two disastrously bad turnover games. Uh, to me, it's not more complicated than that. Right, so I think this this Tennessee defense, as bad as they've been, uh, they weren't that great last year. They were better last year than they were this year. But this year, when, when they played in Week 11 in Tennessee, Lamar managed 186 yards of passing offense with one pick and one touchdown. He also ran the ball 13 times for a total of 51 yards. Yeah. If the Titans can bottle up Lamar Jackson, mind you, this was after the Ravens uh, had switched to J.K. Dobbins full-time with Gus Edwards. This was not a Mark Ingram game, so I'm guessing that this should be a similar offense to, to what we saw in Week 11. Uh, Lamar hasn't been able to produce against this defense, yep. as bad as this defense is. So it's going to, like you say, it's going to come down to Lamar. If he can get it done, Ravens probably win this game by a score or two. Uh, if Lamar is human, if he's not MVP Lamar, if he's not, you know, the, the engine that drives this Ravens train, then I don't see the, the Ravens making it out of this one with a victory. No, nope, I'm same boat. It all rolls around Lamar. Uh, he has the potential to make this happen. Um, I hope his wide receivers don't let him down like they have over and over again. And honest to God, I, I just that I, even yet last week, last week we put up 400, 400 passing yards, or oh, 400 rushing, rushing yards on the Bengals. Um, and that's you know the Bengals did just beat Houston, who you just beat, and then they beat Pittsburgh. So there is something there. Um, but in that game, Mark Andrews had a wide open drop. And Hollywood Brown let a ball, a beautiful deep ball, bang off the front of his helmet. So yeah, I saw that one. That was tough. It, it that's that's another part of this. They can't let him down like that. So we'll see. We'll rabble through. The good news is we don't have to. We get to see all of Saturday before being completely. One of us will be completely miserable uh, for the <laughs> remainder of Sunday's game. So we at least get Saturday football. And let's go ahead and kick that off. Um, the first game, your rivals, the Colts, play the Bills. The spread is minus six and a half. Uh, the over-under is 51. Miami is a, I mean, B Miami. Buffalo is a fucking buzzsaw. A buzzsaw. What they did to Miami in a must-win game for Miami was fucking nuts. Uh, you watch the Colts pretty closely. I think the Bills are going to beat the shit out of them. How does that not happen? I actually think the opposite. Wow. I think that there's some upset potential here. I think Indianapolis could beat the Bills. Um, and I think that because this, this Indy running game has really gotten going in the last couple weeks, Jonathan Taylor all of a sudden looks like the guy that we thought that they were drafting when they picked him up last year in the draft. And... 
I don't know. I know that the Bills' offense is a top three offense in the NFL right now. Their defense is pretty average. But I just think that the Colts have enough defense and enough offense to be able to give them some trouble. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority here, and maybe it's just because I see the Colts all the time. But I think that as much as I don't like Rivers, I think that Jonathan Taylor might be enough for this Colts offense to overcome the Bills. I don't know. I think that they can force Allen into some turnovers. This Colts defense is decent. You know, they were almost a t- well, they were a top ten unit overall, but you know, they were close to the top ten in both pass and rush D. I just think if you make Josh Allen beat you, then that's how you beat the Bills. And I think the Colts might be able to put them in in a position where Josh Allen might have to do a little too much. There is a big similarity between what Boston, uh, Boston, Jesus, what's going on with me? Uh, Buffalo and the Ravens. Uh, and when we look at the Ravens last year, we look at one of the best regular season teams of all time. Cannot get any hotter. Cannot get any hotter. You ca- you cannot get anything hotter than what the Ravens were doing. They run into Buff. They run into Tennessee. They get hoodwinked bamboozled, flipped, turned, and pushed out of the playoffs. The Bills could not be hotter. Could not be hotter. Ran through the Patriots, ran through Miami, and now they're showing up. And here come what a lot of people are expecting to lose this game by a touchdown or more, spread six and a half, are the Colts, which people think are kind of hapless. So there's there's a lot of similarities between these two teams. And... Uh, you know, w- when we talked about, hey, if we can, if the, the, if if we can put it all on this one player, can we force them into mistakes? I could be on one of the largest crow eatings of the, the century if Josh Allen can make his way to a Super Bowl, um, and and I do think that they're going to run through this game. But if they do lose, and Josh Allen does have another poo poo caca game, um, I also win. <laughs> so so let me give you this right now the weather in buffalo for saturday at 1 p.m looks like it's going to be low 30s right now i have a high of 31 degrees i think that that lends itself to the team that can run the ball better and i think that the colts are easily the better rushing team yep. um i think it's going to be a little more difficult to fling that ball around if it's below freezing outside and i don't know i just I feel like I'm the only person, ironically, because I hate the Colts, but I feel like I'm the only person that really believes that they can win this game. And I think that if they, if Jonathan Taylor ends up with 25 carries for the day, you could see a score that looks, you know, 27 to 17 Colts. I could see it. I could see a path for it. The Colts have the secondary to be able to match up with the Bills a little bit. Um, I, I just I don't know I don't see the blowout that most people see I don't I don't think Buffalo is su- superhuman like a lot of people tend to believe that they are. Well, I'm gonna hope for that because an Allen fuck up would be something I'd love. Uh, next game on the docket. There, okay, so there are some really fucking weird scenarios around some of these NFL games. Really weird. Um, we have COVID, which we'll get into with the Browns. Uh, we have the Washington football team making the playoffs. And then at the 4 o'clock game as we move through, Rams-Seahawks. It doesn't sound like Jared Goff's going to play. He has a literal broken thumb. So even if he does play, I don't know what you get out of him. I already don't think anything of Jared Goff. But what's interesting is this Rams defense 
is incredible. And so we're looking at this incredible Rams defense. Now they have no offense, and they're going up against a division rival in the Seahawks. The Seahawks are favored by three and a half. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call myself crazy. I think the Rams win outright. Whether golf plays or not? I, if golf doesn't play. If so golf plays, have the they have Rams no chance. Regardless? Uh, if golf plays, which I don't think he will, there's no chance the Rams win. You will not win another playoff game with Jared Goff. You can win with anyone else. I didn't like Jared Goff to begin with. I've hated how he looked this year. And then he broke his thumb. I'm, I mean, I don't know how much more I can be out on a quarterback who doesn't have all their fingers intact. But I'm more out on Jared Goff than I think I've been on any quarterback. Jared Goff, also one of the quarterbacks that I've you know, had a, had a long-running feud with. But uh, I, I think that with uh, Sean McVay Jr. as quarterback, uh, they're going to do a lot better and able to control the tempo of the game. And the Seahawks have been, uh, frankly middle of the road over the last couple weeks they just look kind of lost on offense uh teams are playing basically two safeties and not letting anything get downfield on them and make Russ throw everything intermediate uh their line is too poor to hold up and so people are able to kind of box the offense down contain it and then get to Russ I think the Rams are going to continue to do that I, I I think the Rams win this outright as long as Jared Goff doesn't play I hesitate to say that the Rams with a backup quarterback are going to beat Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and these boys in a playoff matchup, but the numbers kind of say exactly what you're saying. This this Rams defense has the number one pass defense in the league. They have the number one defense overall in the league. Uh, the Seahawks, you say that they've been average lately. That bore out to be true throughout the whole season, actually. They yeah. end up with the number 17 offense. Uh, the number 22 defense, so below average on the defensive side of the ball. Everything points to the Rams winning this game. However, I, I just I don't know if I can pick a backup quarterback to beat Russell Wilson in an opening round playoff game. I'm not sure if I can do that. And I probably feel just as bad about golf, so I'm kind of hung up there. Uh, I don't know. Convince me. Convince me. I really, I really think that when you, it comes down to it, the way the Rams are going to be able to play defense. So first, I think the Rams are the better coach team. All right? I really like Sean McVay. Um, I think once he gets another shot at a quarterback, and there are a shitload of quarterbacks available, and we'll get into that briefly, I really just don't look at the Rams. I don't look at the Seahawks able to score more than 24. And if you can't score more than 24 in a football game, it's going to be tough to win. The Rams are going to run the ball. Not great, but probably decently. I, I really think this game at halftime is going to be 10-9 to 9 Seattle. And I think that as the game goes on, you're going to get this close field goal game that the Rams are going to be able to squeak out. I don't see the Rams being able to pull away in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I think two weeks in a row under Sean McVay, uh, with this backup quarterback who, the reason why I call him Sean McVay Jr. is if you look at him, it, pull up a picture of him, he looks fucking crazy. He looks exactly like like a mini version of Sean McVay that <laughs> I'm gonna someone... I'm going to do it while you talk. Yeah, John, John Wolford is his name. 
Um, he, it's just crazy how much he looks like, like a mini Sean McVay in this weird way. Uh, they, <laughs> I'm looking at him now and I, I just can't not laugh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He just looks like, like Sean McVay was like him. He is, he gets to play. Uh, you know, the Cardinals. Son who, who probably smoked a little too much in college. I know. Look at him. It's crazy. Uh, Wolford completed 28, 22 of 38 pass attempts for 231 yards, one interception, adding six carries, six carries for 56 rushing yards and an 18 to seven win against the Cardinals. Now the Cardinals were on a must win game to get in the playoffs against this backup. They lost. I don't think that Seattle has a better off a better defense. They do have a much better offense. It's just been completely locked down, and, and Pete Carroll cannot figure out a way to get out of it. I think it really comes down to can the Ram, will the Rams keep it close? Yes. Do the Rams have the better unit overall? Yes, in their defense. The best unit. So go offense of both teams, special teams of both teams, defense of both teams. What's the best unit? The Rams' defense has two really killers, okay? Ramsey is going to lock out DK. That's going to leave Lockett to try to work underneath. The Rams' offense or defense is very unique in the way that they kind of sacrifice the run game for the pass game, meaning they'll let you run the ball, but they're not going to let you throw the ball around on them, which slows the game down, which keeps the game close. The The Rams are going to uh, allow Aaron Donald to try to work the middle and get pressure on Russell, which he will. And if they can contain the big plays and keep it to like one big play this game, then I think they're going to really legitimately have a shot. We're going to see Cooper Cup back, which he wasn't playing last week. And I don't know, Jared Goff doesn't do anything the last two years that make me go, no other quarterback could run this offense. In fact, when I watch uh, Jared Goff play, I legitimately think every single quarterback could run that offense. So is it a loss? I really think that the truth is it's not a loss in any way. Right now, today, going with a Jared Goff broken thumb or John Wolford who's healthy, John Wolford is the step up. Um, Jared Goff has had all pro uh, games, had pro bowl seasons, has gone to a Super Bowl, and since since really going to that Super Bowl has never been the same player. So I, I like the Rams to win this game in Seattle to continue to flounder around. So I have some stats to back up what you just said. Uh, you were talking about Ramsey and not allowing the the uh, the Seahawks pass game to really get going. In the first matchup against the Rams this season, DK Metcalf played 96% of the snaps for the, uh, Seattle's offense, ends with four targets, two catches for 28 yards. In their second matchup, he plays 97% of the offensive snaps, ends with eight targets, only six catches for 59 yards. No touchdowns in either, uh, no real big plays in either. So, uh, to your point, they, they do a good job stopping exactly what Seattle wants to do. It's going to have to be a massive Tyler Lockett game if this offense is really going to get going. I, all right, you convinced me. I, I think the Rams, I, I, I like the Rams as well. I can't wait till we both look dumb. Um, <laughs> last, last game of the night, Saturday, we get the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I got Tom. I don't really have a great analysis for this. I got Tom. Nope. I'll say this. I told everyone that the Washington football team would have the best defensive line 
and defensive front in the NFL. And they do. They legitimately do. And they rode just that unit to a playoff berth. Now, uh, I didn't say they'd make the playoffs. I said they would make them frisky. I didn't think seven wins would win that division. I obviously was higher on both the Eagles and Dallas. Um, but uh, How many wins does Washington have if they have a league average quarterback? Let's say Washington's quarterback was Teddy Bridgewater this year. How many wins do they have? Probably 10. Probably legitimately 10. Um, this roster has a lot of talent on it. I, they're really a quarterback away. A quarterback and a second receiver. A cor- they, they need some line help, truthfully. Their, their ends suck. Their tackles suck. Um, not their ends, their tackles. Um, their interior of their line is really good. You have Terry McLaurin, who's a number one. Uh, you have... Uh, Gibson, Antonio, Antonio Gibson, Gibson. That rookie running back, looks like he's a stud. He looks really good. The defensive line is a who's who of young players who are doing well. Uh, the secondary's got Kendall Fuller, who's playing really well. They really, truthfully, this team, this team can compete right now. Obviously, they're in the playoffs. Um, they are a quarterback away. They're a left tackle away. Remember, they had that Trent Williams saga where they had to trade him away. Um, right. Which is really they should have kept him. They, whatever. They they had no choice. Uh, that situation being local here, that situation was unbelievably ugly. Um, it, it boils down to this: Trent Williams had a cancerous growth on his head, and uh, his helmet was rubbing up against it. That's how he noticed it. He went to the team doctors. The team doctors told him it's nothing at all, and. He keeps, oh, okay. He, he was never coming back. It, they tell him it's nothing to keep playing. He goes and seeks a second opinion. They're like, this is a cancerous tumor that if left unchecked in the next like five months will just kill you. Right to your brain kill you. That's the Kawhi Spurs thing. Yeah. So they're like, well, I don't know if Kawhi had a life-threatening uh, it, injury. It wasn't a tumor. Yeah, but, right. You know, they, they told him that his leg was fine, and he's like, no, and then finds out that it's not. It's and not. And says, I'm never playing here again. Right. And so that same thing. I'm never playing here again. That was it. It didn't matter who you moved. He's never playing here again. He can't trust anybody. So that that kind of leads to him leaving. Um, the the Tampa Bay Bucks are ready for this fucking game. Um, and, and, you know, earlier in the year, we had talked about – I don't understand why. I thought Byron Leftwich was doing one of the worst jobs as an offensive coordinator. Um, in the last four weeks, where it looks like Tampa's really gotten rolling, they've completely switched their offense. They're throwing the ball 60% of the time on early downs, 60 to 70%, and they're running the ball only 30 to 40% on early downs. This is why the offense looks better. If you, if you believe it or not, your best chance to win a game is to give Tom Brady the football. It is not to give Leonard Fournette or Rojo the football. It is to give Tom fucking Brady the football. I don't understand why the Bucks took 14 weeks to figure out that their first ballot Hall of Fame best quarterback of all time wasn't the best option on offense. But they had figured it out now. Um, now, from a coaching perspective, maybe they were saying, hey, we're going to, we have some things to settle. Uh, but it cost them the division. And now they're playing on the first, first Saturday. So I think the Buccaneers washed through the football team. The football team will do a lot to disrupt Brady at times because that line is so fucking dominant. Um, but overall, I just, 
you've got a pirate on one leg, you've got a beer in the other, and Heineke. I don't even know who you're starting at quarterback that helps you at all. Bucks roll, Bucks minus eight. <laughs> Quick aside, because I don't think we need to give this game any more attention than we already have. Does Washington stick with Washington football team for the future? I, think, I feel like at this point you just stick with it. I think you, you just punched a playoff berth with it. I think you just hold on to it. We're the football right. team. We're the Washington exactly. football team. I, I kind at this point I like. I mean, I liked it to begin with, but I I kind of like it now. Just just stick with it. I I think that they should change the uh, the team to club. I think it should change it to Washington Football Club because the abbreviation would be WFW and, and it would just or WFC. And I think that just sounds better than WFT. Um, also, every time I see WFT, I literally think, "What the fuck." Um, which is which is probably accurate for the the, the Washington football team, uh, but I, I don't know why. But the football club just sounds better to me, and it's it just rolls off the tongue. So I go, hey, that's the you know the Washington football club. You know, eventually people just start calling them the club, and that'll be even better. Uh, so I I think they should stick with the team. Their colors are fine. Their colors are great. The W looks good. I like Washington football. I would just change the club, but that's me being picky. I I don't have to change anything at all. Uh, let's flip over into uh, last two games, Sunday, January 10th, 4.40 p.m. The Saints versus the Bears. The Saints are giving 10 points. I will put it like this. The Green Bay Packers just folded the Bears up into a little ball and threw them off a cliff. The Saints should be getting Michael Thomas back. They should be getting their entire running back room back. And they didn't need any of that to embarrass Carolina. I thought Carolina and the Bears are a pretty comparable team overall. Uh, the Bears have more talent overall, but they're kind of in the same mold. Um, I think the Saints are going to be able to shut them down. The Saints' defense is actually probably the, the second-best defensive unit in football behind the Rams. So I, I really, really, really love the Saints to just beat the ever-loving crap out of the Bears, who backdoored into the playoffs after losing and having Arizona lose. Yeah, uh, this is another one of those games where I expect this one to be early or be over in the first half. I, I really, really wanted to see Arizona in this spot again uh, instead of Chicago, but Kyler Murray's leg just couldn't hold up, so... Uh, this is one of those matchups where I'm just kind of dreaming about what could have been. You know, I'm not excited to watch Trubisky and David Montgomery try to beat Kamara and Michael Thomas and, you know, in this Saints offense. So what's the spread on this game? Ten. Ten? Uh, I don't know if I'm touching the ten, but I, I like the Saints money line 100%. No hesitation. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I don't really, you know, the Bears squeak into the playoffs again, probably saving everyone's job in the building, which is a complete sham. And so, uh, you know, I like the Saints just mop them out of the playoffs and move on to the next round. And then the most interesting game of the week, honestly, for me, it, because it has so much division outside of, obviously, Ravens, Titans, uh, the Browns and the Steelers. The Browns are getting wrecked with COVID, which, let me just... Let me just put both hands in this barrel of funny. Um, the Browns fans laughed nonstop when the Ravens got COVID and had week over week over. I mean, they wouldn't. They were relentless, relentless with it. Um, and we talked about this. We talked about 
why this these outbreaks happen and that yes someone can it can be because someone breaks protocol but there's also a global pandemic that's killed 300,000 Americans and it's very difficult very difficult to stop the spread of it so now what happens it's all fun and games until your fucking team gets hit with it and guess when your fucking team gets hit with it 18 years You've been waiting to get in the playoffs. 18. 18. And now you got it. You're in. Your new coach, COVID. Your longest tenured Browns player, offensive lineman, Joel Tino. COVID. Out. You laughed so fucking hard during the season as the Ravens got it. Now what? You feel bad? I don't feel bad for you. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck your team. I hope you all make it a healthy, speedy recovery with no long-term effects. You are going to get your shit absolutely rolled up and thrown out Sunday night. The spread is minus six. If it was minus 40, I'd contemplate it. The Steelers almost beat you last week with nobody. You now don't have a head coach. You don't have your best offensive lineman. We don't know. Confirms Stefanski won't be there. Will not be there. Oh, and here's another thing, Browns. Do you know your backup emergency head coach? This is all fact. Your backup emergency head coach is quoted as saying, all the gays should be rounded up on an island and nuked until it glows. That is a confirmed statement that he has said when he was an assistant coach with the Vikings. That was confirmed. Who is this? Put a name on it. uh, Let me look up his name real quick. Um, this circulated a couple days ago. He basically had come out years ago and said this. Now, he had to go to sensitivity training and he had to go to multiple other things, obviously, to um, bring himself back to uh, public. But overall, you're talking about going from a guy who brings you to a playoff game to potentially uh, emergency head coach i'll google it real quick um to potentially uh, you know a, a leaderless ship going into a playoff game um and and i don't i don't know what that will yield for you because kevin stefanski's done a pretty good job of uh handling baker mayfield and 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 getting your team navigated to a playoff and so when, when we look at what you're going to do this week against a rested Steeler team, I just think you're going to get bounced. Here's another thing. The, Red, the Redskins, the Browns have made the playoffs two previous times before this year. Both previous times, do you know what team they played against? I'm going to guess Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Do you, know, do you know what happened in those games? I'm going to guess they got their ass whooped. There we go. <laughs> so here you go. Here you go, Browns. Um, you, you have, you have done, you have done it. You have made the playoffs. Now you are stricken with COVID and you are going to play a team that the previous two times you have made the playoffs, uh, you have gotten bounced by the Steelers. Also, uh, the coach's name is Mike Prefer. Uh, and if I find the quote exactly, I think I had it. Almost exactly right. If I just Google this well, coach's while you name, look that up. I think <clears throat> the recipe for the Browns 
this week. I, I don't know if there is a recipe for the Browns because, like you say, the Steelers didn't give a fuck about the game last week and still beat them uh, without their starting quarterback or any of that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The Browns won, but it, it was a close one. Yeah, a, a very close one. Very close. So, Two-point conversion <laughs> failed close. Right. And so I, I don't know. I think that the recipe for them is they, they got to run Nick Chubb 30 times and hope that he breaks a couple off. I guess that's that's really the only recipe because I don't think they're going to do it passing the ball. I don't think that Jarvis Landry and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Rashard Higgins, I don't, I don't think those are fine players, but I don't think that they're going to get it done against this number three ranked Pittsburgh defense who's been whooping ass. Um, I, I, they they got to hope and pray that they can protect Baker Mayfield for long enough to make it a game because I think T.J. Watt and those boys – they're going to be out for blood. By the way, T.J. Watt, my early prediction for Defensive Player of the Year, I think he might actually win it. Oh, I think he's a lock to win it. I, when you look at the advanced stats, I understand the argument of Aaron Donald should win it every single time. But T.J. Watt had a better year. He just did. Right. I mean, statistically, his tackles for losses are more. I think the only thing he doesn't have as much is a forced fumble. Um, here it is real quick. This is uh, back in 2013, former Minnesota Vikings punter Chris Cluey described in detail the bigoted remarks made by Prefer. I don't know how to quite say his name, P, uh, but who cares? You know, he's, uh, he's a bigot. Sounds like a um, piece of shit, so don't even bother. Yeah, he said, anyone. we should round up all the gays, send them to an island, and then nuke it until it glows. Um, the Vikings conducted their own internal investigation, suspended him for three games, and made him participate in sensitivity training. That's it. So okay, well, his team is probably going to get nuked until they glow on Sunday. So yeah, I guess poetic justice. That's your acting head coach, Browns. So go fuck yourself again. Fuck you. Fuck your little drain city. Um, and, and, you know, fuck your fans because you guys are a bunch of shitheads online and now it's happening to you and it's woe is me. And guess what? Here comes your big brother. He's going to stuff you in a fucking laundry basket. All right. So that wraps up, uh, a preview of, um, the, the wild card round. And one quick thing on Lamar, uh, Peyton Manning didn't win his first playoff game till he was in the wild card round either. So Lamar equals Peyton Manning. Um, I have one, one, one more thought, um, and it's about it's a little bit about college football and the NFL. We're seeing, I think, something a little different in the NFL than we saw before. Uh, when we look at these quarterbacks, and, and here's some Tua, Joe Burrow. Um, these were big names coming into almost like can't miss. These guys are going to be so good. Not to say they can't turn it around. They both one came into the year injured. The other one is injured now. Um, and, and another guy, you know, Baker Mayfield. We have a lot of these guys that don't have the strongest arm, right? That was never Burroughs thing to his thing. Baker's thing. They're all number one picks top of the draft class. Uh, but we're actually seeing a ton of success from these uh, mobile rocket arm guys. We look at Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, um, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. It's kind of interesting. The thing that we're seeing is, was that a trend yet? But it's getting there. Will this play also kind of determine that? I think that, and this is just food for thought, 
Is it possible that it's easier to scheme an offense around raw attributes than it is something like uh, brain development? Um, athletes in the secondary have gotten so much bigger, stronger, faster that it's gotten a lot harder to get to a spot and throw the ball to the spot on the field consistently. And these big quarterbacks that can hit these huge plays, these chunk plays, and can rocket the ball wherever they need them to, are able to close that gap that the secondary used to not be able to make on a normal throw. Now they're getting there, and you need that rocket arm. Right now, it's nothing, but when I look at it on paper, I go, the only people that are coming up and surviving from these young classes aren't the thinkers. It's not the Joe Burrow of processing the offense, putting the ball where it needs to be. Uh, it's about putting the ball when it needs to be. And we're, we're not, I, I don't know yet, but we're seeing a lot of these guys fall out and not be able to keep up in the NFL. And I think a big part of it literally is coming down to off that defenses are running more, more pass-heavy defenses that shrink the amount of space to throw the ball. So what becomes important is being able to get the ball to the spot fast, not get it there you know, oh, and here's the route. Well, the problem is, instead of that ball being able to carry in the air for one second, it's got to get there in point six because that corner's covering, and he's on the guy then. And he needs to be in, bang, catch, then bang, hit. Too many times today you're seeing the ball get there at the same time as the corner, and it's almost always a drop. So I think we might be seeing the, the flip from the cerebral quarterback, and I don't want to take anything away from the brains of these guys because obviously someone like Patrick Mahomes is ridiculously smart. But in terms of pure arm strength, and I want to put Deshaun Watson in this group as well, uh, as far as pure arm strength, we're seeing the guys that can process and then fire that ball out quickly succeed more than we're seeing the thinkers succeed or the oh okay i'm going to tear you apart offensively uh through a series of throws no they just go i'm going to bang 40 yards downfield instant strike um you know a case in point for uh, how it's becoming ryan Tannehill. he does not have a rocket arm but he hits aj brown over an eight second play and how far down the field do they get 50 yards you know the, the the ability to move quickly has and and act fast and deliver fast i don't think has ever been more important with everything speeding up from secondaries to defensive linemen i think the speed in which you can deliver a ball and get it out is going to become more and more important as we go and the velocity of throws is going to be something that we have to keep an eye on. It's nothing right now, but I'm watching these games, and I look who's in the playoffs, and I look who's out, and I go, you know, the quarterbacks that are in here are either the old guard, it's either the entire old guard, right? Uh, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, and, and Aaron Rodgers is, is kind of a tween. Well, Wilson and Rodgers are tweeners. But we're not seeing so much the thinking precision you know, precision uh, that lob throw as we are more seeing those direct beam lasers like it's the league's getting taken over by a bunch of Brett Favre. So ju ju just something I've been mulling around for a little bit, and as, as the playoffs develop, we'll see where it goes.
Right. Just to, to supplement that a little bit uh, from the mobile piece of it, I, I think a lot of times, especially I, I noticed with Herbert, because I watched a lot of Herbert this year, you see a lot of those big plays come when when the defense almost they'll break down the pocket a little bit. You'll yep. see him roll out. And now the defense is in a bind because this guy can run and pick up 25 yards on us. They, they start sinking in towards the line of scrimmage, and then he launches a 50-yard bomb to Keenan Allen over the top. Yep. So uh, the more you give the defense to think about, the more, I mean, the better chances you have of catching them slipping, I think, in general. Yep. And that actually leads me to my last point that I want to bring in to wrap this one up. Uh, back to your boy Lamar. I think the Titans, for this matchup this weekend, the Titans have seemed to struggle this season with quarterbacks who do exactly what you're saying right now, who who can not only throw throw it over the top, but can improvise a little bit and, and throw on the run and make plays when everything breaks down. I don't think that that is a area, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that that's an area where the Ravens or Lamar succeeds necessarily in the pass game. I don't I don't think that there are too many times where protection breaks down and then Lamar is finding a 50-yard bomb down the down the field. The Titans have struggled with that literally the entire season from Game 1 to Game 17 or Game 16. Yeah. And so I, I just think the, the Titans' defensive woes, uh, they're very real and they're very true. Like, this defense is like Swiss cheese. However, I think that the, the Baltimore offense that they're getting ready to play isn't equipped to expose those flaws. No, I, I actually, like, like you said, I, I don't, the Ravens lack the offensive firepower on the outside to really take advantage of what the Titans don't do well. Um, we, we do. We just really suck in the wide receiver department. Um, and so when you're like, oh, who's the one that – like Marquise Brown, you can watch him on 80% of his plays. He's completely blanketed by just whoever you want to put on him. Lineback – like there are times where a linebacker covers him, and you're like, what the fuck, Marquise? You're, you're so fucking fast. How in the fuck are you covered by a linebacker? Um and can't beat him. And and, and and I think that is, it's really going to come down to, you know, can the Ravens run the ball? I do think we'll be able to run the ball. Uh, the one thing we do have is an incredible amount of beef on the line. Um, and and it, honestly, uh, Zeus Jr. moving from right tackle to left tackle, he deserves some props for being able to hold that down so well. But I just don't know if the Ravens have, you know, even when they get open, they don't fucking catch, man. You could see a broken play where Lamar scrambles out, throws the ball downfield to Hollywood, hits him square in the fucking hands. He's wide open, and it, it's a third and five, and that needs to be the the touch. You know that needs to be the reception, and he just drops it. He could drop it with no one around him. He could. So that's the thing that really scares me. That ties this thing up, and it's to your point. Do the when the game breaks down, are the Ravens going to be able to uh, capitalize when the Tennessee Titans coverage breaks down? I don't look at it as a Lamar problem. I don't. I don't even know. You know, Des Bryant here to scare you. Like you're going to double Mark Andrews, and even he can drop open passes. So I don't know. It's going to come down to do the Ravens pass catchers again in a big moment decide to drop six balls, and does Lamar turn the ball over? And it could. It could just happen again. It could just happen again. It happens in every big game. Hollywood Brown can't catch. And Mark Andrews will drop one or two that hits him square in the face. So if they overcome that, they'll win a playoff game. If you don't, the playoffs aren't time for mistakes. You don't win a mistake-filled game in the playoffs. So, um, 
So give me a score there. prediction before we get out of here. Uh, 28-24 Ravens. I have the exact same score prediction, but with the Titans. Titans. Win. Yep. You know, if the line goes back up to three and a half, I, I, I'm going to take the Titans. Um, I think it's disrespectful, but I think that I think Vegas wants us to do that. Uh, but actually, that's not true. Um, the line movement opened at 3.5. It's moved to three, so that means people are betting. People are betting it down. So yeah, everyone's on that way. Fucking the, watch the for Vegas. The defense is going to be the key to this whole game. If if Lamar and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are able to run for you know 200, 250 plus, it's going to be a wrap. Yeah, but. If the Titans can contain J.K. a little, really, I'm not even that worried about J.K. Dobbins. And watch now that I say that, he'll go for 100. You, you should be worried about J.K. Dobbins. You should be worried about J.K. Dobbins. 100%. I know that he's someone to worry about, but we've seen him once, and you know he didn't destroy the entire field. So I'm I'm okay with going against him again. The thing that scares me is Lamar and his legs. The Titans are missing their best linebacker, Jayon Brown, who last year did a great sure. job in keeping. Uh, keeping Lamar funneled a little bit. Uh, he's done because of a dirty play at the hand of your Ravens, but we don't need to go there. Uh, so I, I just think that that is the big concern. If Lamar gets loose and he starts doing his Lamar things with his legs and we can't get third down stops, which we haven't been able to get all year, then I think the Ravens are going to be in a great position. Yeah. I, look, I will tell you that I think how – J.K. Dobbins, the past three or four weeks, we've made him the feature back and Gus Edwards the backup, which Gus Edwards is no slouch. Um, but I'm going to tell you, J.K. Dobbins looks almost identical in the way he runs to Ray Rice. If he ever gets to the point where he can catch balls out of the backfield like Ray Rice used to, it's going to be deadly. He's fucking good. He wears the same number, too. He is... I've really uh, we Raven fans have been banging on trash cans for him to get more of the load, um, and and that was a big thing that came out of kind of us writing the ship is we stopped giving. I mean Ingram was healthy scratch after healthy scratch, and and we moved really with J.K. Gus, and I think we're going to do that again, um, and, and we'll see. I really think that uh, on, honestly J.K. is better right now than we had at any point on anybody last year. Uh, so I, I do think that once the line solidifies next year, J.K. is going to be a a legit a legit fantasy option, a legit running back in the NFL. Um, I don't ever think he'll get enough touches uh, to do anything super spectacular because the Ravens are always stayed balanced. But I really do think he's a talented kid, so I'm I'm excited to see that. I agree with you. In the first matchup, Week 11, the uh, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar, and Gus Edwards led the rushing attack. They combined for 31 rushes, about 128 yards is yeah. what I see here. If the Titans can hold them to 128 yards rushing again, they get a W. If you, you hold us to 128 yards rushing, you probably beat us by 14. So um, just, just full disclosure. All right, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? No, I'm going to talk a whole lot of shit. If the Titans complete the trilogy, uh, you probably won't want to report with me for at least a week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll be luck. here. I, mean, I don't feel that great. This Titans defense, uh, what's ironic is we have the best offense that we've had in franchise history simultaneously with the worst defense that I've seen since this team was 2-14. and 14. So I, I really don't know what to think. But good luck. Look, I, I'm I'm gonna let I'm gonna let history decide this, uh, but 
you know, it's why they play the fucking games. It's going to be a great weekend. At least I get Saturday without being upset if we lose. Um, you can find me, Pick and Play 37 on Twitter. You can find Leo, Pick and Scroll. Uh, remember, rate, subscribe, review. Stay safe out there, and we will be dropping an NBA pod later in the week. Peace.